Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Medicine, the community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. Again, if, if I've never met you before, my name's Scott. I'm the pastor here. It's such a joy to have so many new faces with us this morning. Uh, one of our central images to our community is a house. Uh, we are a community coming home to Jesus and his church uh, because Jesus provides us a home in his church. And so it's a joy to be hospitable to you all this morning. Welcome, welcome to our living room. Uh, welcome to our family. It's a special Sunday. We're having baptisms. Um, it's a special Sunday. That's why I'm wearing some special clothes. I've never worn this before, um, but that's why. You can ask me about it later. I'll tell you about it. Um, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good, and your love endures forever. We join the people who have said that in community for thousands of years. Thank you for everyone here. Lord, you know us. You know our thoughts. You know our weeks. We pray that you would speak to us this morning and move in our midst. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. Um, when I was in elementary school, I remember sometimes when I would go on a field trip or something and we'd be going to like feed the seals or I don't know, whatever you do, field trips while I'm in middle school. And you usually would start in a classroom beforehand, whether it was at your class or like in a classroom at the zoo or whatever, and you would learn, here's what you're going to see, uh, here's what you're going to do, uh, here's how to participate once you get out there, hold the fish by the tail, give it to the seal, whatever. Did anybody else ever feed seals on, on field trips? Just me? Um, In about 10 or 15 minutes, uh, I'm going to preach a little bit shorter today, we're all going to get up and we're going to walk into the commons, and you might have seen a a horse trough (laughs) in the middle of the high school cafeteria out there, and we're all going to gather around it and we are going to participate in something of eternal significance, in something so sacred around a horse trough in a high school cafeteria. We're going to have our first baptisms as a church. This is a milestone. You know how if you have kids, there's like milestones they do. In the life of a church, this is a milestone. So if you're joining with us for it this morning, uh, it's such a gift. And I just want to think of this little homily sermon as kind of a pre-field trip speech. Uh, So here's what you're going to see. I want to talk about what are you going to see. I also want to talk about what are you going to do. How are we, how does God invite us to participate in a baptism if we're watching, even if you're not being baptized. Sound good? Okay, so first, what what is baptism? What are you going to see? I am not in any way, shape, or form going to give a full theological treatment of baptism or explain it. Some of you probably have a lot of questions about what we believe about baptism. Not going to do that. I'm just, I want to give us some biblical vocabulary and images to work with that we can be thinking while we watch it, okay? And here it is. It it does have alliteration, okay? I worked really hard to get it. Baptism is a sign that God loves freedom, God loves families, and God loves first. It's not all it is, but it is that. Baptism is a sign that God loves freedom, God loves families, and God loves first. So God loves freedom. Our Old Testament reading that Randy read this morning is the story of the Exodus, which is, if you've read the Bible or you've seen Prince of Egypt, you might know. Uh, The people of Israel suffered under oppression and slavery for hundreds of years in Egypt. And God liberates his people 
and he brings them out of Egypt. He rescues them. And they're being pursued by the Egyptian army, and they get pinned in front of the Red Sea. So they have death by, by sea in front of them, and the Egyptian army, those who have been their oppressors for hundreds of years, are chasing them. And what does God do? He miraculously opens up a way through the waters into freedom. It says they walked by on dry land. There's a wall of sea on their left and on their right, and they walk through. And notice it says in verse 28 that the waters came back over the Egyptian army and not one remained. And the significance of that is the enemy was dealt with. Nobody was coming at them. Nobody was going to get them. The bad guy wasn't going to keep on popping back. They were truly free and safe. Um, This is one of the central images behind baptism. Do you know the Bible actually says that Jesus himself came for an exodus uses the word in the Gospels. But it wasn't to free us from Egypt. It was to free us from our bondage to sin and death. And we were talking about this this week. But the crazy thing that is hard to understand is that Jesus' exodus is far greater and far more miraculous and far more beautiful than even the one in Exodus out of Egypt. Jesus gives us a true exodus and freedom. Jesus defeated both sin and death in his cross and resurrection. And in baptism, we get to join in and participate in his freedom. Paul says in our readings from Romans this morning, which Michelle read, it says, but we were enslaved to sin, but in baptism we die to it and are set free. That's the first image I want you to have. God loves freedom. When you see the baptisms this morning in a horse trough, with not as much water as the Red Sea, I want you to think of the Red Sea. I want you to think of God making a way miraculously through water for us to leave bondage. We cross over through water from death to life. And just like Israelite children born after the Exodus didn't have to go back and be raised in Egypt in slavery, we rejoice and praise God that he invites our children to grow up in that freedom from day one, through the water. Yes, of course, they will face trials of many kinds, just like the Israelites did. But in this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So God loves freedom. Baptism is also a sign that God loves families. In our gospel reading this morning uh, that Matthew read in the middle here, there's this guy named Nicodemus who's really smart. He's a religious leader. He's a Pharisee, but I think he's a good guy. And he comes to Jesus late at night, and he has all these questions. And so he starts talking to him, you know, I don't understand any of this. And Jesus says, um, to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus, like any of us, would probably have responded, says, that's impossible. And then he gets super literal, and he's like, how can you go back in the womb a second time? That doesn't make any sense. That's never happened before. And then Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Jesus is alluding here to a major theme in the New Testament, which is that Jesus has come to create and adopt us into a new family. We're all born once, but Jesus is saying there's a second birth into the household of God. God's family is eternal. 
God's family endures beyond all others. It exceeds all others in love. Jesus is the bridegroom and his wife is the church. And to that mother and father, we are born into a new family. And regardless of your life situation, whether you are single or you are married or you have brothers and sisters or you're an only child, whatever your status, everyone in God's family has the same status. And that is that we are all loved sons and daughters of the king. We are co-inheritors with Christ of all the inheritance, and we are all brothers and sisters of one another. So that's the image. How does this happen? Jesus says it happens through water and spirit. And the New Testament, coming off of Jesus and all Christian theologians throughout history point and say, that's baptism. Baptism is this moment of adoption. It's this moment of new birth, and the Holy Spirit and baptism are always tied together. So just as Peter told lots of the people listening to him in the book of Acts when he was preaching the gospel that he has met Jesus, he says that the invitation for this new birth into this new family isn't just for those who are listening. He says it's for you and your whole household. And we rejoice that our children grow up as inheritors of the promise from day one. They are raised, the little ones in our midst, as sons and daughters of the king. They do not work their way into it. We rejoice in that. So baptism isn't just a sign of being adopted into God's family. It's also a sign that God loves working through our human families. So Johnny and Michelle, Eric and Rachel, Robert and Ashley, the parents this morning, are demonstrating their faith by committing their household to the household of God. So when you see the baptisms, you're witnessing a birth. You're witnessing an adoption. It's pretty cool, huh? Amen? Amen. It's going to be awesome. Get excited. Last one. So God loves first. God loves freedom. God loves families. God loves first. The gospel is that Jesus loved us and gave himself to us, even though we never did anything to deserve it. That's the gospel. 1 John 4 puts it like this. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the order of the gospel is always that God moves first. He steps towards us in love first, no matter what you've done. And you and I respond in and through and from his love. It all is an effect of his love. We talked about this last week. My mic is kind of falling off my ear. I'm trying to fix it. Sorry if I keep on thinking. Can you guys hear me well? It's good. So we respond to it. When you see a baby get baptized, which we're about to do, there is a scandal to it. The scandal is, how can this child receive grace? What have they done to deserve this? Uh, but as we say in our church diocese, our church family of churches, the scandal of baptism is the scandal of the gospel. Nobody does anything to deserve it. So one of the analogies we talk about in our baptism classes is that we are all spiritual trust fund babies. Um, trust fund babies are those who are born with a silver spoon. They inherit everything from really wealthy parents. They never have to work for anything. And you kind of can pick, poke fun at him and say, you're, you know, you're just a trust fund baby. You didn't earn anything. And the truth of the gospel is all of us are spiritual trust fund babies. Nobody earns anything. Nobody earns Jesus loves or works their way into the kingdom. It all comes to us. It's given to us. And we respond to it. Nobody can say they're a self-made Christian. Amen? None of us in this church are self-made Christians. We are all saved by the grace of God. We are all 
lovely and love others because we were loved first. We're proud of that here. So when you see these kids being baptized, you're seeing children being loved. You're seeing children being given an inheritance to which they will grow up into. They will be raised as children of the king. We're not saying the children who are baptized never have to do anything. We're not saying that once you're baptized, you're fine and everything's done in your life. A spiritual inheritance, like a financial one, can be squandered or rejected. And that is why the families and all of us in the church are going to commit today to raising our children in the inheritance, to bringing them up in the faith, to disciple them, to take hold of the confession. And like we're going to pray at the very end, to confess Christ crucified, to proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in his eternal priesthood. Doesn't that sound awesome? We're all going to commit to that today. So baptism is so much more than that. This is not exhaustive, but I want to give you those images and those ideas to cling to when we go out there and participate in this. Baptism is a sign that God loves freedom, he loves families, and he loves first. And if that's what it is, how are we invited to participate in it? So what should you do? How should you hold the fish by the tail when you feed the seal? That's a stupid analogy. Don't think about that when we're doing baptisms. Um, we believe baptisms are corporate family events. They're with kids, so it's going to be messy and awesome. It's not some like super formal thing. But all of us have a part to play. You all actually have lines, whether you knew it or not. And I want to encourage you that God is inviting us to participate with our mouth and with our heart. So you're invited to participate with your mouth and with your heart. Um, first, with your mouth, we are all going to commit to devote ourselves to these children, to pray for them, and then we're going to welcome them at the very end, and we're going to go nuts. Uh, so flip with me really quick. Go to page 12. This mic is driving me crazy. It works, though, so we're good. Uh, I'm going to ask you, kind of midway through, if that you will commit to support those being baptized and the families to be raised up into Christ. And you are going to say with as much energy as you have, we will. Okay, get excited about that. The next page, we're going to pray. We're going to renew our own vows. And then Marissa is going to lead us in prayers. And we are going to respond with as much gusto, commensurate to the love you have for these children, saying, Lord, hear our prayer. And then on page 16, at the bottom of page 16, we're going to all pray the most epic prayer when we welcome these children into the household of God to proclaim Christ crucified and share with us in his eternal priesthood. And man, rip that. That's, that's our moment to, to be loud and proud as a community together. And then after that, we're going to go nuts and clap and rejoice. So we have a part to play, but I also want you to encourage you to participate in your heart. And here's what I mean by that. If you have been baptized... When you are watching this, you are meant to be reminded and to deepen your understanding of your own baptism. If you're married and when you see a wedding, you are meant to have your vows and your marriage confirmed. It's when you're watching a wedding and you're, you give a squeeze to your wife on her hand or something. It's like, yes, you know. This is meant to encourage you. If you haven't been baptized, this is equally for you as well, and we're thrilled you're here. And for you, my prayer is that you would be drawn and wooed to the waters of baptism. There's this one time the Apostle Philip is hanging out with this guy from Ethiopia in the Bible, 
and he's reading the Bible and he's struck to the heart and he wants to be baptized and he tells them, what prevents me from being baptized? And the answer is nothing. And they're like driving in a chariot and he sees some water and they just get baptized on spot. There's nothing that prevents you from being baptized. The invitation to pass through water into life is open to all. The only requirement is repentance and belief. So my prayer this morning is that the waters, we're going to have another baptism in a couple months. It's always open. It's open to every single one of us. So be drawn to the waters as you watch this morning. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to explain a few things before we get up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. I pray that your word and these images would sink deep into our hearts and transform us as we watch people entering into the household of God. We pray that you would be present amongst us. In your name we pray. Amen.